All right, we're live. Alessandra, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, 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 good. It's nice to uh, get a chance to chat here. We've been chatting already before we started recording for a bit. Yes. Um, but uh, where to start? Um, so um, you are based in Switzerland. We were talking about that, but you're Italian. Yes. And uh, and you do, um, could you talk a little bit about what you do in terms of work and things like that? Yes, I have a bunch of things going on. So um, I have my own uh, consulting. So I, I started a few years ago and I do product strategy for the tech vertical. So basically, I help companies uh, trying, you know, to design and build products uh, that are of high impact. So they generate mm. recurring uh, uh, business and revenue. And uh, that's, let's say, the main focus I have. Can you sh can you share about uh, w what some of those companies are that you work for, or is it all? It's. In, in I mean, I'm not going to share the names. I'm very protective okay. somehow. No, I like I feel <laughs> like because I tend to build relationships, but it's mainly startups. You know, like okay. so. Um, I never planned to work for startups. I, I have a career uh, in tech, so I worked for very long uh, in companies. And yeah. uh, and the last uh, six seven years as a product manager, and then I, okay. I focused more and more on strategy. So when I left, I wanted to continue doing that because I really 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 enjoyed it. But I was just planning to work for other companies, you know, maybe SMEs, so medium uh, small and medium companies. But then I started getting more and more involved with startups because startups are actually the ones that need the most or turned out they really needed help with positioning their product in the market, understanding better their product, their audience. Uh, and, uh, and right now, this is basically what I do most of the time. So I work with startups, I started mentoring. Uh, so I mentor in a bunch of accelerators, uh, uh, one of which is Math Challenge, which is this huge um, international accelerator. And mm. yeah, I, I work more and more with startups. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I saw your um, Tech in the Loop. Is that the name of your uh, Tilt? Yes. Your, uh, newsletter. My newsletter. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's another thing that was born from the relationship I started building with startups. Um, so, well, there is a, a whole story uh, behind uh, uh, Tech in the Loop. That that is actually a, a framework that I built. Mm. Mm -hmm. I was doing uh, uh, research. I needed. I I felt like I needed a framework to sort of help myself when I was working. So mm -hmm. like I I focus on product strategy with human centricity. Uh, so I'm a strong believer that because we have so much tech going on out there, mm -hmm. and there is so much competition, either we are able to build tech that is really supporting a need, a desire, or what mm. is going to happen is that people that look for a product might end up on our product, but if we don't understand them, if we don't give them what we need, they simply move on because there'll be somebody else that is going to do it. So when I started working in tech, studying, I studied uh, computer engineering. The first year I was going to a lab 
to do my yeah. homework. I love mm-hmm. where, you know, I let you imagine that computers, it's actually more than 20 years, but let's, let's verify, don't think about it. Nice. <laughs> And the computers were awful. You have you have a background as a developer, is that? Is yeah, that that's how I started. Actually, okay. so it's I ha- I'm a little bit of a mix. I I studied computer engineering and then I moved on and I did a PhD in systems and computer engineering, and okay, I started cool. as a researcher. Actually, I started working for IBM. Uh, yeah. There is a research lab here in Zurich. That's how I ended up in Zurich. Uh, okay. And this lab here is very, very famous because they won the Nobel Prize. Uh, uh, there is a guy that won the Nobel Prize in physics that works for this oh, lab. Wow. So it's super, super famous. And uh, and that's how I started as a researcher. So I did, I worked as a researcher for some time. Then, then I felt like it wasn't enough. I wanted to try more. I wanted to, to like you know. You wanted to, to do more things hands-on. Exactly. Yeah. Research is beautiful. It's challenging. You can be creative. Indeed, I went back mm-hmm. to research in the end. That's basically what I'm doing right now. But the outcome... As a consultant, like that's sort of what you do as a consultant, you mean? No, it's all sort of what I do with Tilt as a, right, as okay. a consultant as well. But, you know, it's a different type of research. Um, it's more like the work that I do with the university. That's the other part that mm-hmm. is part of my work today. So, but the the thing with research is that not always, but most of the time, the outcome of your work is going to be a paper that will be yeah. published, right? In in rare cases, uh, it becomes a product. It becomes something tangible. Mm-hmm. And I felt right. like I wanted to to explore and uh, and you know like um, research wasn't wasn't giving me that opportunity. So I thought I would move on. And this is when I started working as a software developer. I first worked for a company that was building solar panels, an amazing experience, uh, because, you know, I got to learn so much about like renewable energy. And this was more than 10 years ago already. Um, Yeah, it was really interesting. You know, I really got to see how the machine builds the layer, you know, and then does the tracks uh, for uh, and uh, they they were so proud that they told me every little detail, even though then, you know, I ne- was never going to do the, the chemical parts of the panel, but still yeah. they want, we wanted all the people working for them to know, like, the technology. To understand the whole, the whole process. Yes. That's so cool. And then I, I continue working as a software developer, and then I started, like, moving up as a as a project manager, product manager. I started working with the European Commission in uh, in their projects as a activity leader. And yeah, these were the, the years where I traveled like crazy. And I did a number of interesting projects uh, um, with so many different technology technologies. In IBM, I was doing a network um, I was working on switches and routers. I mean, my PhD mm-hmm. was on the internet, so I was really on the cables. 
So I was oh, okay. uh, working with the packets that were going everywhere, you know, and I was doing like algorithms to avoid congestion. Uh, so when That's the packets, so cool. like, yeah, it was kind of cool. For me, it was like Tetris, you know, it was like a game. Uh, you have to yeah. fit everything perfectly to avoid the, to lose the packets. So I took it as a game yeah. and it was a lot of fun. I think it was a good you know, I was, choice. I was talking to my kids, by the way, I, I interrupt a lot. So I, I, you interrupt me. I inter yeah, it's, yes, it's, let's uh, interrupt each other. It works well. <laughs> My, I find that if I don't inter if I don't interrupt, I get lost and I forget, you know. And then it's it's yeah. a mess. But my daughter, uh, my my kids are twelve, six, and three. And the other day, I said something, and I said it's like it's like Tetris. And they said, "What's that?" <gasps> like, oh, oh my gosh, we got to play Tetris. Oh and my I god, still, I know. Isn't that weird? I still haven't I still haven't played with them, uh, which is horrible, but. Uh, Amazing, huh? How things yeah. change. Like you mentioned something, you expect everybody to know what that is, and no, your kids, your yeah, kids don't. It is. Indeed. It is crazy. But so you're building the the algorithms for pa the packet. Yeah, exactly. So that was a lot of fun. But then I moved on to um, network performances. So I, I went, uh, if you want, like a step higher um, in the in the. Um, network like in stack. the TCP IP stack right yeah. and uh, um, then I did cybersecurity identity management I worked a lot with identity identity management tools and that was when I started doing also product management um, when I started getting into cybersecurity this is when I started working with products and uh, in the last years before I decided I wanted to, to work by myself, I was more focusing on uh, emerging technologies, next generation internet, artificial intelligence and things like that. So it was a lot of fun. I surely never got bored uh, in, uh, in my career. I, when I decided to stop, it was because I was really traveling too much. When you get involved with the European Commission, that's that's what happens. I mean, well, Just probably with Corona, it didn't happen anymore, right? But before Corona, you were almost forced. So it, it became too much for me at some point. So gotcha. I was like, okay, let me stop. And Lay back to Tilt because we didn't we didn't talk yes. about it. Yeah. So I was I was working on this framework for myself. And I ended up doing research on uh, human-centered artificial intelligence, you know, and things like that. And then I came up with uh, Tech in the Loop. Uh, and uh, as like one of the AI models is the human in the loop, where exactly you have comes from an AI there. model, but there's a human yeah. that is there to kind of approve train. things, kind of train, and and so you flip you flip that analogy, exactly. kind of inverted. Yeah. Exactly, because that's that's what I think, right? I think. Uh, the machine should make us better. So what happens in human in the loop is that humans provide inputs to help the machine learn better. Yeah. So yeah. basically we are the support. Yes. And I flipped <laughs> we're around. Like, we're like a cog in the, uh, in the, in the AI loop. Exactly. So I flipped that around because it should actually be tech supporting us. So I, I started from that concept and I started working on all the steps of the product strategy on how to make each step human-centered. So it shouldn't be about the product, it should yeah. be about the people. Yeah. What, what would be an example of, of a, um, a product or a, um, a, a, some kind of a workflow, some kind of a loop where, you know, 
the human, uh, the tech, you, you know, where the tech is not functioning to serve people's needs and that you, you change the, what, what's, what's an example, like, what's a real world example of, of this? So there are like a bunch of companies that are strongly focused on their customers. Maybe they don't really uh, do it like in in the way I thought, taking the loop, uh, but their idea is very close to mine. So one is is Amazon. Jeff Bezos was obsessed, and he is still obsessed with customers. Obsessively focused on the customer, yeah. Yes, yep. uh, totally. So he pro he he wasn't maybe thinking in terms of human centricity the way maybe we explore it today. But I can tell you that he was probably, you know, uh, one of the most obsessed with the concept. I mean, there is there is this story going around, uh, which I know for somebody from somebody that works a lot with Amazon that in their meetings, uh, they have like one empty chair. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is the chair of the customer. And whenever mm -hmm. they are about to take a decision, uh, they stop and they ask this themselves, is the customer going to like this? Is the customer mm -hmm. going to want this? Mm -hmm. And if they cannot clearly answer yes, they work more to turn that around and make it super appealing for yeah. for uh, the user. Yeah. Um, and there are a number of, for example, uh, when building a, a, a product, uh, there is always this question: Okay, what is the what is the value proposition? You know, what is the uh, added value, or mm -hmm. uh, what is the vision for this product? And there are some examples uh, that are human centered of very successful products. So Henry Ford, for example. Mm -hmm. His vision was to build, you know, a car for the masses. So he wanted to build a product that was affordable and that everyone could enjoy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So till then, cars were really expensive and only few selected people could enjoy it. And he wanted to turn that around. And that is a human center approach. So he wanted to build a product that was good for everyone, that wasn't just solving a product, a, a problem, but was putting everyone in the same position so that everybody can have it. Right, right. And, you know, also Microsoft. So the first vision was to bring every, every comp computers in everybody's home or on everybody's right. desk. Right. That's also an example. Of yeah. humans, and I find that every time a product is really focused on the end user, yeah, it, it it might be a coincidence, but you know, it turns to be a little bit more successful than others. Yeah, yeah, I think, and I think sometimes there's a dynamic in business where um, the you can uh, it can be tempting to focus not on the customer but other stakeholders for example in a retail environment you know you have you got the manufacturer you've got the mm. distributor yeah. the wholesaler and the customer right and then you can the distributor can say hey we want to have these nice healthy profit margins because that makes us happy and the customer is paying more than they need to and then you can optimize for that uh that party whereas i think what like jeff bezos did is he was like that's where that obsessive focus on the customer came in where he just He's like, we're going to drive yeah. our margins down to zero. Screw, you know, screw what the stockholders might think short term. 
you know, yeah. kind of screw everything else. <laughs> like, the, you know, the only thing that, that matters is, is the customer. Yeah. I mean, in the end, especially in a business like retailers, you have so many, um, so many competitive forces, if we want to call it, you know, coming in. Yeah. that you really need to find a good balance. I think the the object, you know, should always be to give the customers what the customer wants, right? And yeah. then balance all the rest because uh, there are, you know, like, and this comes, you know, from also from the work that I do at the university, I, I teach um, in a, a university here in Zurich and uh, it's a business school. So now I'm bringing, you know, the tech and all the strategy and the things uh, that I do uh, together. And this is the exercise that we do, you know, so how do we balance competitors? How do we balance suppliers? Uh, you know, um, how do we balance uh, a new market entrants to still yeah. get to the, and, because the customer in the end can turn in a competitor because the customer can leave, yeah. right? So yeah. I don't know, like if the customer finds a product that is cheaper or, uh, you know, that does a better job than yours uh, or a substitute, a product that is similar, you know, and, you know, the yeah. customer leaves. So there are like really yeah. a number of things to balance to make everything work. Yeah. But I think the last focus, you know, the strongest focus has to be on the customer. Yeah. Can I can I ask, are you a fan of Elon Musk? <gasps> what an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I have to be honest. I don't know. Okay. I follow him like I think the rest of the globe does. Uh, yeah. Maybe yes and maybe not. There are some things where I really admire him. When, yeah. when I look at his story and I think, wow, this guy managed to do quite some things. Huh? But there are some decisions that I don't share or I don't agree with. So, you know, yeah. I can't say. Gotcha. Are you? Yeah. Are you a fan of Elon Musk? I, I am. I, I would say I am. Uh, I think, like you mentioned, Henry Ford and yeah, and, you know, uh, kind of democratizing access to cars. And exactly. I, I feel like he's a very similar figure um, in in a lot of the things that he's he's doing. But it's interesting because so many people, especially people in tech, are not mm -hmm. a fan of him. I know he does some. I I think one of the things I like about him is the fact that he's you know, he'll, he'll tweet things that are kind of random, you know, like he doesn't, like he's not, there's so many of these uh, corporate CEO figures who you're not getting the real picture of them. Mm -hmm. You're getting uh, a filtered version of them. Um, so I like the fact, I mean, we're all a little weird, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I guess uh, I like the fact that you see the unfiltered version of him. Um, yeah. You yeah, know, this, uh, I, I feel like he's confident enough, you know, to not care yeah. about anything. So yeah. he knows yeah. that whatever he's going to do, like people are with him, against him, doesn't matter. Yeah. He's going to do it anyway. Yeah. So it's, I think it's nice to be in that position. I don't think many people can afford to be in such a position. <laughs> At least that's what I perceive from the outside. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's true, like what you were saying, that we get to see this, uh, you know, uh, we don't get to see the real picture of, you know, uh, how things go. Uh, that's the exercise. I'm, you know, I'm going back to, to do research uh, for Tilt. I started doing this column, the archaeology of zero to one. 
Okay. Did you see that? Basically, I take uh, successful products and uh, I go back to their first years. Okay. okay. So I do research. I go on the web archive and I go and look at how the website was. What was the message? I start. Uh, I do so research cool. to do to do like uh, to see how they first advertise, how they got in touch with the users. You know, because I feel like, especially with startup founders, like they feel that these companies are so far away from them, right? Especially early stage startups. And they oh, yeah. feel like they don't have the money that these companies have to, yeah. to reach, you know, some success. And yeah. I started the archaeology because actually everyone started from somewhere. Yeah. Including the most most successful startups, the unicorns. It's, it's incredible. I mean, most of these companies weren't even around 10 years ago. I yeah. Mean, I saw a list recently of the companies that simply did not exist at all 10 years ago. And yeah, you look at their early versions of their websites and things like that. And you go, wow, like this is um, pretty surprising how fast. Yeah. Things Exactly. But there are some that have been uh, uh, there for quite some time, you know, and they really worked hard to get where they were, which is also a good reminder to people not to give up too early when they feel like things are not working. So yeah. the, the last one I did was MailChimp. MailChimp okay. was started 20 years ago. I mean, there was really? no, yes, I kid you not. There was no Facebook. There was, they started in 2001. And to put things in perspective, Google started in 1998. So 2001, Google was still like trying to, That's crazy. you know, there was no social media. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, if you want, like I can forward you the research. It's super interesting. They really, and they bootstrapped. Yeah, no investors. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's sweet, because I found that, you know, one of the founders said that actually, they went all the way uh, bootstrapping, because they had no idea they could find investors. <laughs> because <laughs> back then just, wasn't a thing, you know, to go for them. Yeah, so they just kept putting money in the, uh, in the company. But it's true, there are some that are really fast, and some that mm -hmm. take more time, but they, we mm -hmm. all started from somewhere. And we all went yeah. through our share of good and bad. Yeah. And so the, the tilt uh, framework, I know we talked about um, yeah. the overarching idea of putting the human in the, in the uh, putting the in tech the center, in the loop, kind of yeah. centric uh, product design and stuff yeah. like that. But is there a framework, like is there a step-by-step -step sort of a uh, approach to breaking down product management problems and things like that? Uh, it's it's more in product strategy than not product okay. management. I find that product strategy is the is you know really the initial uh, step. Then it goes sort of in the loop. But I think if you start already in the beginning to put things in perspective considering the end user, that's something that we keep hearing a lot, right? So we always have to think about the end user. But I think if there is a framework to follow, for people it would be a little bit easier, you know, then they know, yeah. okay, let's look at this step, what should I do right now, you know, and, yeah. and so I came up with the idea of the framework. And now the uh, the framework exists, uh, I, I wrote a paper, uh, which is about to be published. Oh, cool. And uh, 
I did not expect that, I have to be honest with you. I came up with the idea and then I submitted an, ab an abstract to a conference just to uh -huh. check whether it was all in my head or the, uh -huh. you know, I sort of validation, if you yeah. will, no? And yeah. it got so much interest. Um, I got contacted to, from so many people, by so many people. I, I got invited to give a keynote speech on the oh, topic nice. in another conference. And suddenly, are you going to do it? Are you gonna do I did it. I did it. Yeah. It's actually, oh, cool. uh, it's actually recorded, uh, so it's online. And that's where the idea of the newsletter came from, because I had so okay. many people reaching out that I thought I need to keep track of these people. In a bit, I'm, uh, I'm going to forget all names, you know. And so I was like, why not a newsletter? And so I started tilt the newsletter. But it wasn't really in my in my focus. So, so I grew very little because of all the speaking engagements I had, but I never really invested in it. Mm -hmm. um, and there it's like the newsletter is like human centricity and product strategy. And it's sort of curated content uh, because I read yeah. a lot. Uh -huh. I spend most of my day reading. So okay. um, I'm like, okay, this could be interesting for the people that read the newsletter, you know, so I choose the different bits. Um, and cool. then when I came up with the archaeology of zero to one, again, like I wasn't really sure that was like, again, maybe it was all in my head. That's a great so. title. That's a great title. <laughs> it was, it's not, um, I have to say, I have to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. It's not mine. It wasn't okay. a, somebody that read uh, the first draft. Uh, you know, the first breakdown that I did was Bad Sumo. Uh -huh. And uh, somebody read it and it was like, you're turning into an archaeologist, uh, the archaeologist of zero to one. And, and then somebody else said, brilliant name. And I was like, okay, I can take yeah. that. I like yeah, it. I like that's it. Great. A lot of times it's like that with your early users. You just get feedback and ideas and incorporate Amazing. them. Amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I did. I, I I shared it in a group on Facebook that I'm part of, which is a very active group where we exchange like ideas and the feedback was amazing. So mm -hmm. I was like, maybe this is something people might like. And and I started as a column. I was like, okay, let me put it in the newsletter as a as a column of tilt and let's see how people react let's ask for feedback you know let's uh, and uh, so the feedback were very positive almost no one unsubscribed so i took oh, it as yeah. a sign that it's uh, people you know still my open uh, rate uh, is really really high so i thought okay and now it's it's becoming more and more a focus for me because I truly enjoy it, you know, I spent nights uh, digging the internet, finding for old pictures, you know, old That's scans. Cool. It's, it's amazing for me, because when I start, I never know where I'm going to end, uh -huh. and what I'm going to find. Uh -huh. For example, I broke down Airbnb. Okay. And I reached a point and I said, I'm not going to publish this. I did the whole research, but in the end, what I found, I didn't like, I didn't like it. So I tried to. Why, why didn't you like it? So I try to find, you know, learnings, things mm -hmm. that can be easily repeated by everyone. No, an idea, something that, you know, uh, we can all do that. We don't necessarily mm -hmm. need investors or tons of money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that their CDO mm -hmm. 
uh, at the very beginning, you know, they were really in trouble. I can tell you, actually, I'm even thinking of sharing uh, the research because the research is, is really good. They went through quite hard time in the beginning. So the idea was good. I don't know why they decided not to use social media. So mm. Facebook was was already strong, you know, Twitter was already there, uh, but they decided not to use social media to advertise. Mm -hmm. So they really had trouble to get in front of users. So their first years were really, really tough. Uh, they they um, made media online, so the the papers, they were also hard on them because some of them were saying that uh, they found a way, you know, for serial killers and uh, rape, rapists, uh, you know, to, to have their victims in their home. I found right. really harsh articles, really, right. really hard. Right. Um, so I might publish it one day because anyway, they did anyway, great job. So their CDO had this brilliant idea, amazing, mm -hmm. genius, mm -hmm. really. But they cannot be repeated uh, or unless you are a super technical person. So he okay. hacked Craigslist. Uh -huh. He created a backdoor in Craigslist because back then uh, Craigslist was the most popular website where people would go to find, you know, yes. apartments, accommodations or whatever. So yeah. he created a way to get the interest. So if a person was interested in a specific hotel or room, he's, uh, he would receive an email from Airbnb. Mm -hmm. saying, mm -hmm. oh, maybe you'd be interested in uh, Airbnb is a new website. And this is how they got like the first users. So, okay. The story continues. Clearly, they to become as famous as they are right now, they did a lot of other things. But this one was how they sort of cracked, you know, cracked uh, their way into the masses. And you cannot uh, be repeated again, unless you are a knocker. I, I would, I'm not a knocker, so I wouldn't be able to repeat yeah. it, right? I wouldn't know how to do it. Yeah. But yeah. In, and that's the other thing. These companies have crazy, interesting stories. Mm -hmm. All of them, mm -hmm. like super interesting. Yeah. That sounds like it would be a, an interesting podcast too. I, I, I'm imagining like hearing you tell the stories because you're a great yeah. storyteller. And Emma, I thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You have a great voice, and um, I can imagine uh, hearing these stories would be interesting. Um, I actually used to. Um, uh, I set up some uh, email automation with Craigslist early on when I started doing freelance development stuff, and so I would um, I would automatically. It was a little spammy. I would automatically, but it wasn't very spammy. I would auto, I would search for keywords and automatically yeah. email people, the people, mm. the people that were posted. Cause there was a section on Craigslist for uh, gigs, yeah. computer gigs. So if they needed help with a website or something like that. And uh, it was, it was um, over time it got harder to do because they had, they added more um, uh, they like complicated checks and yeah. things like that. But yeah. I, there was a phase there where I was hacking Craigslist, I guess. Not, not really hacking. No, they did it. They, they, I mean, the way you did it, they did it a little bit more into, you know, like, I mean, they were uh -huh. competitors, right? So, uh -huh. but uh, I find, I think your idea, I mean, in the end, these people were looking for help. So you were just scamming yeah. uh, Craigslist. Yeah. So you were not yeah. really stealing uh, uh, possible like customers or whatever. 
So, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, but exactly. I don't, you know, like I don't judge. I think, I think that was an amazing idea. I'm not saying whether it's legal or illegal. I'm saying that not everybody can repeat it. But I think that was genius. That mm-hmm. turned things around, and they needed that. They absolutely mm-hmm. needed that. Right. So yeah, I think their CEO was and still is, like their the, the their third founder is still is like a genius. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I I um I think I I saw somewhere that um. Airbnbs are like more expensive than most hotels in uh, in many areas now. Yeah, um, because the, you know the prices had just gone up and up, and everybody's so comfortable with Airbnb and things like that. Yeah, that, isn't that, isn't that kind of weird that it's? Well, it's like, it is because it became a, a crazy business yeah. for the people that have an apartment. Like in Amsterdam, the government had to stop that. So Amsterdam, it's so um, touristy. There are like so many people going there like at any time of the year that people mm-hmm. that had an apartment, they would not rent it anymore permanently to anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would just put it on Airbnb because it was a lot more money. Mm-hmm. But then what happened was that the people moving to Amsterdam for work could not find an apartment nobody oh, wanted really? to rent because they were apartment. all short-term. yeah so mm-hmm. the government introduced a law that an apartment cannot be rent for less than 30 days and that mm-hmm. was against airbnb because it was really like uh, creating huge problems mm-hmm. uh it is a massive business massive mm-hmm. and a, and a great idea no, so yeah. why not? I have an apartment. It's empty. Why don't I make money yeah. out of it? Yeah. No, it started like this uh, uh, sharing economy. You know, started with them. Now people share everything, <laughs> everything yeah. they have. They share it yeah. for money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the bicycle, like whatever. Cars. There's this app I'm I'm thinking about uh, trying out to um to rent a Tesla, uh, which is uh it's called Turo, and it's like um it's like Airbnb for cars, basically. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah. there's uh, uh, more and more of that, no? Yeah. But I think it's a good idea. Again, like, why yeah. not? Yeah. Yeah, it, it just makes sense. I mean, they, we have these resources that if, if we're not using them and we can um, kind of maximize the utility of them for other people. It, exactly. It kind of just makes sense. Um, yes. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so I, I saw that um I saw I think I saw that you had tweeted something about something to the effect of like I hope my students don't or I don't know if my students follow me on Twitter or, or like, they don't I, yeah, I check like, <laughs> like it's it's kind of a it's like a it's like a separate space for you to kind yes. of just explore yes. ideas and. Yes, the Twitter is the place. And maybe a little yes. unfiltered, like we were talking about being filtered, unfiltered. So I use a lot LinkedIn, you know, from business perspective, um, yeah. uh, profession, and I have boundaries there. And yeah. I don't like Facebook, so I don't have, fa- I have a Facebook account, but it's only for groups. So, so many people just fa- use Facebook for groups. It's, yeah, groups are yeah. amazing. 
yeah. you can get a lot out of it. Yeah. Uh, but that's not something that is because of so because Facebook is just the means. The groups yeah. are great because of the people that are in the groups. Yeah. And for the rest, I really don't like it. And um, yeah. so I don't have Facebook. I um, I like Instagram. But I just, uh, I'm, you know, like, because I'm a very visual person, so I like watching, you know, looking at the pictures. But I'm not really, um, I tried, you know, but for me, it's not really natural to put, like, pictures of myself of the time, you know, what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. So it doesn't yeah. really work for me as a social uh, media. Yeah. So I started Twitter, and I just want to be myself. Mm -hmm. I know, it's different when I teach. It's different yeah. when I work, you know, yeah. I'm a different person. I'm a combination yeah. of things. Yeah. And yeah. I am not yeah. Yeah. like, yeah. I don't yeah. take myself so seriously. Right. And I just wanted to have a place you're a where I, you're, you're yeah. A yeah. Yeah. yeah, where I would just not feel judged by yeah. people I work with or uh, students. Yeah. So Twitter is my safe space. Hopefully they'll That's never cool. find. I should use, uh, I use my real name, so they might yeah. find it actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think that like pseudonymous uh, Twitter uh, or gen like anonymous pseudonymous profiles in general are something that um, uh, I think will become more popular over time, you know, where you can have use a, a profile and, and not have your identity linked to it and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's tricky to. Um, to set those up, you know. Um, I mean, I understand that too, you know. I like seeing people. Yeah. I, you know, in the end, I like to associate uh, a face to a person, uh, maybe yeah. a voice, you know. These are things that you can build in your mind, yeah. even if you don't talk directly to the person. But I have the feeling, yeah. for example, I've known you for years <laughs> just because yeah. we chat on Twitter, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's more difficult to do that when you don't know yeah. who's behind. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. I tried setting up one of those um, pseudonymous accounts and it was just weird. It, it, it's just, a, it was just, um, yeah, I don't think people take you as seriously and, uh, it, it's, but it's a tricky, it's a tricky problem to solve, I think, because it, I think it's increasingly difficult to be that unfiltered version of yourself, yeah. um, online. And, uh, well, in some, in some ways it is, some ways it isn't, um, kind of depends, but I think, yeah. that, um, it you know, is, um, I mean, it's a little bit more difficult because it's still online, you know. So another thing I'm super passionate about, and that's where all the human centricity comes from, is uh, it's psychology and the, uh -huh. and the brain. Uh -huh. So, um, um, you know, I, in my spare time, that's what I do. I read articles and books about the brain, about the behavior, about the psychology, and we behave differently. Online, we behave uh -huh. differently. Right. You know? Totally. And yes, and you know, it, there are some parts of us that are the same. So that's, uh, you know, I'm uh, very much into persuasive technology. Okay. Uh, even before Facebook sort of destroyed that for all of us. And uh, in some parts, it's interesting because we do react to technology like we would normally react to a friend. So even okay. though we know that, you know, uh, our computer is a machine, is not a person, we still get influenced by it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then when we join like social media 
we tend to amplify it's it's like another society no you always have to show the best of you you always have to show how successful you are how heavy everything is it's like this pressure that you always have to show that in your life everything works perfectly and we know it's not true even you know the most successful person doesn't have the perfect life it's like another type of society it's like when you are in you know in person you have this huge pressure that you have to be tall thin blonde you know and blue eyes you know so it's yeah it's uh, also there especially in switzerland (laughs) in where especially in switzerland tall and Blonde and blue they eyes. Are t- all the ladies here are tall, blonde, blue eyes. They're super beautiful. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough to yeah. live here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's um, yeah. I, I uh, that's one of the reasons actually with this podcast. I, I had a, a a podcast I did for a number of years where we talked about a specific e-commerce um, niche. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still talk about that and that's still a, lo- a big part of my network, but, um, you know, I would always be limiting myself to those topics and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's other, you know, pod podcasts where you know, people will just talk about a range of different things. And I really, I like those, um, as a, as an end consumer. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I-, I guess I'll just do that too. Um, and you know, you can create clips and things like that to specific, yeah. you know, to- topical types of clips. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I've been thinking a lot about, um, what you, what you were saying about just kind of being your, your whole self. Um, yeah. and uh, just kind of putting it out there, you know? I mean, in the end we are, I mean, it's very difficult to find a person I, probably these are the person that are maybe, I don't know, I'm, I don't want to assume, but there are people that are very focused on something, right? Like whether right. it's their work and they leave for that and that's what they read uh, mm-hmm. when in their time off, you know, but most of us, uh, we all have different facets. Yeah. We're not just one thing. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I agree with you that it becomes really difficult when uh, you just have to make it about one yeah. specific topic. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like yeah. I found that I would t- I was I started talking I would just start talking about uh, like being a dad and kids mm-hmm. and things like that randomly, and I'm realizing like almost every um, one of my guests is a dad and we're talking, mm-hmm. we find ourselves talking about these things. And so I was just giving it a little more breathing room and, uh, you know, somebody commented, you know, they were like, Oh, you know, I, I came to this video expecting to learn more about this particular e-commerce thing. And I ended up like hugging my son <laughs> and you know, telling That's him how sweet. much I love him. And stuff. It was really sweet. It's um, really sweet. Yes. Know, so that was really- oh, but we got to talk about Canva because uh, you're, I'm big, I, I love Canva, I use it, um, and you like are, are into it. I think you've, you've written about it a lot and stuff, you've researched yeah, it Yeah, it was part of the archaeology of zero to one. Okay. Because Canva had this, uh, um, not, not long ago, they raised uh, 200 million and they were evaluated at 40 billion which makes mm-hmm. them one of the fastest growing tech companies. 40 billion Canva? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's like yeah, 40 billion, that's high. I know, I know. It's uh, it's one of the uh, strongest, you know, companies. 
So I was like, let me get, let me check how this is all started. You know, like I have to find out. So I started digging. I got lost, uh, you know, in the internet how finding many, how things. How many hours? How many hours total do you spend on these things when you do the archaeology and you're in the middle of the night digging away in web archives and stuff? I don't know hours, but I can tell you that it feels like minutes. It's like just I am fun. so yeah. into it. <laughs> And at some point, I have to stop myself, you know. That's cool. Uh, I'm like, no, okay, this is enough. Uh, Now I can wrap up, you know. I found very interesting things. It's it's amazing. You know what makes me sometimes, uh, it makes me also think of the fact that the internet never forgets. Mm -hmm. I'm able to find tweets of, Mm -hmm. you know, like years ago. (laughs) When I did Basumo, I was able uh, to find exactly the moment when Ran Fishkin found out about Sumo, but Sumo it became his best ad, uh, advocate, which was oh, a wow, tweet cool. of like te- almost 10 years ago. The that's internet so forgets cool. nothing, yeah. which is also a little bit scared, you know, like maybe we should yes. think what we put out there. If one day <laughs> might regret that comment, yeah, yeah. I mean, more more and more people are starting to delete all their old Twitter, uh, all their old tweets. They just delete them, archive them. Yeah, you know. but for me, if I continue yeah. like, with the archaeologist, you're the one. But it is like it really makes me think a lot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's what I did with Canva. I just went all the way back. So what did you find with Canva? Well, I found that uh, they officially started Canva in 2012, but actually when everything started was in 2007. So, yeah, because uh, Melanie Perkins started, the first company they started was called Fusion Books. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had put together this tool and to to create yearbooks in an easy way. So the idea was very good because they had a a clear buyer persona, which was the universities Uh and they were students back then. So they were insiders. Yeah. Yeah. So they put together like the tool and then they basically went to each university. They didn't even have to, you know, like uh, make the effort of being online, social media or whatever. They would just show up at the university, find the person to talk to and uh, uh, sell it as something that in 30 minutes, anyone could build a yearbook and it would be way cheaper than having the yearbook done by some professional. Uh-huh. And they went on with Fusion Books for five years. Uh, mm-hmm. They were pretty successful in um, in Australia. And then they wanted to expand. They started uh, trying to expand to France and the uh, UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what happened. I mean, clearly they weren't massively successful because otherwise we would know about it. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think in Europe, we don't have your books like it's not a european thing as far okay. as i know uh-huh. so probably that is why it did it didn't work uh mm. and then in 2012 they had the idea of okay let's take uh, the uh, tool the technology behind fusion books let's patent it so mm. they have a patent and let's oh. make it for everyone okay so that's how they started Mm-hmm. But at that point, uh, 
things were were not too bad because they had already a business uh, thriving on this specific solution. Mm-hmm. So when I first went to see their uh, website in the web archive, they had a page dedicated to their investors. So long, I mean, they were able to raise three millions with mm-hmm. no users. Wow. Zero. And this was back in 2012? 2013 at that point. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, uh, so I think the fact that they could prove that Fusion Books was already successful uh, made it easier for them to convince people to give them money. And there is a lot that you can do with three millions. There is a lot that you can do. But still, you know, like they had to bring their their idea in front of the users. uh, So they worked a lot with partnerships. They partnered Mm -hmm. with bloggers and then with designers, uh, and then with uh, photographers and illustrators. Mm -hmm. And uh, that way they were able, you know, especially with bloggers, back then bloggers uh, had a lot, you know, were a lot more prominent than right now. Right now everybody has a a blog. And that way they were able, because they didn't want to focus on Australia, they they knew they wanted to go international straight away. Otherwise it was going like to be another fusion books, it made no sense. And partnerships allow them to do that, to get out of Australia. So it's, uh, cool. yeah, it's another, in- and that's again, like a, not an overnight success. I mean, 2007, um, I had 2021. No idea. I, if you would have asked me, I would have said Canva's been around for a few years. <laughs> oh, I mean, but that's the, that's the way we perceive, That's right? the way we perceive it, yeah. We yeah. perceive that these super successful companies, uh, you know, uh, sort of were born successful. Yeah. No, but that's what that's I love the... about. Yeah. Mm. So I was say what I, what I love about Canva, it feels like they just uh, iterate uh, quickly. Like um, I, I was using it pretty heavily, I want to say maybe a year ago. And then recently mm. I started using it to make thumbnails and things like that. And it's just easy to use. It does it does the things that. Um, you could use Photoshop for, but it, it, uh, like removing backgrounds, um, and and certain effects and things like that. But it just, it gives you the ones that, um, you know, it takes kind of the, the most commonly used effects. It makes them easy to use. It gives you templates and things like that. So that if you're trying to design something, you're not looking at a blank canvas. Um, so you can just, it gives, it makes it easy to get started. And I find the thing that. Uh-huh. I think that they uh, give a lot of. I think I think she's really strong. I think Melanie Perkins is is the the brain, you know, the main uh, uh, drive behind uh, Canva, and I think she has always been very, you know, user oriented. So when she started Fusion Books, uh, she started because she was uh, she was a student, but she was teaching graphic design, you know, to sort of make some uh, some money. Mm. And she picked on how difficult Photoshop was to use. Uh-huh. So she was she's a I, I believe she's a good listener to people's problem, mm-hmm. you know, because that's how she thought why not making it easier? And I think that's how she continues to go. For example, now you can make landing page or websites directly in Canva. You can make landing pages in Canva? Yes. And it's really? amazing because, you you know, like you just tell them the URL you want. Mm-hmm. 
uh-huh. you know, and then you build it yourself and then it's there, out there. Wow. And, you know, if you want to do it, I don't know, with WordPress, you have to find a host, you know, a hosting service, then you have to build it yourself. I mean, Canva is much easier to use than WordPress, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so I think she has really like, I mean, she's really good. Otherwise, come on, they wouldn't have made it to 40 billions evaluation, right? So she must be good at that. Yeah, that's so crazy. I saw they added uh, video editing uh, somewhat recently, I want to say. Um, mm. I haven't really used it yet, but I, I was planning to check it out at some point. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It's a it's a very amazing tool. It's just a great little product. Um, yeah, I use so yeah. easy, like really crazy user friendly. Yeah. Huh? yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. So needed because I mean, right now we are all uh, you know creating our own things online, yes. you know, and Photoshop yes. is a headache. Let's let's it's, admit it is a headache. Yeah, yes, it, it really is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was uh, trying to do the thing where, um, like, you take somebody's like when I do the thumbnail for this video, I uh, crop out your background, um, mm. uh, so it has a tool for that. And then there's this other effect that people will do where they'll, they'll put an outline around a person yeah. um, in a thumbnail. And I just noticed that they have a new uh, tool for that. I don't know if it's new, but it's new to me. There's a, a tool for that. Um, whereas before you had to, you had to copy and paste and chain, like change the, the pro color profile. You do some complicated stuff, but they yeah. just have a real easy tool for it now. Um, so and, uh, it's, yeah, it's really cool. It's I like great. it. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. Well, this is a lot of fun. Um, thanks again for taking some time. Um, Thank you. I love that. Uh, it's good. Any anything else you wanna um, you wanna share before we wrap up? Any any links you wanna share or anything like that? Yeah, I can share my you know my um, the link to to. Tilt, you know, if people are interested uh, to sign up, you know, for the archaeology of zero to one or for product strategy, I think that's uh, where they can sign up. And then, you know, they sign up on my website. So if they are curious to see what I do, they can just go around, have a look around. And my Twitter, if people, well, I guess you're going to share these on Twitter so people will see my handle so they can, yes. uh, uh, very happy to connect with everyone. It's always good to make connections. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thanks everybody for thank tuning you. in. And we will see you soon.